Welcome to See Uncovered, a place where you'll find the stories of proven entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Ashley Henschel. Welcome to CEO Uncovered. Today, joining me is Adele Archer. Adele is the co-founder and CEO of Eternova in Forbes 30 Under 30 honoree. Thank you for joining us, Adele. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. I wanted to first ask you, just give us a gist about who you are and your background. Yeah. Um, so I have been in Austin for almost about 10 years now, um, originally from California, and uh came to Austin really kind of for the business community. And it's just been an incredible 10 years of watching the city grow and develop and become a true like technology Mm -hmm. hub. So it's an exciting place and time to be an entrepreneur here Um, outside of uh, running companies and advising companies and investing, which I love to do, Um, you know, do a lot of travel and love to learn languages. And uh, my fiance and I are super into wine. So um, yeah, we, we have off the field too. <laughs> All my friends are moving to Austin. Apparently it's a new place to be. I was supposed it's to go actually awesome. this weekend. Oh, in a way. So yeah. cool. That's awesome. It's a beautiful what, place. I love it. What would you say sparked your passion for business? So, you know, it was interesting. My first chapter was actually in, um, politics and I thought I wanted to, um, you know, be doing really like reform to help important social causes. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I worked in DC and I was doing a lot of, um, policy research and, and reform. And what I ended up realizing was what I love about business and entrepreneurship is there's a lot of people who kind of rally around a problem and say, how do we solve this in the most impactful way possible? Mm-hmm. And so I just felt, you know, perhaps business was an even better vehicle for me personally to be able to really drive change in the world and, you know, do something that was really impactful. So that's what brought me down to Austin. Um, I got my MBA and, you know, I said, whatever business I start, it needs to really be kind of making an important dent on the universe. And so, yeah, um, yeah that was kind of the the pivot. <laughs> so where did the idea to start your own business and to start Eterneva come from? Yeah, so um, originally we were just going to be starting a regular lab-grown diamond company. Mm-hmm. We saw that that was a very up-and-coming space and, you know, we thought that this would be, you know, a really impactful business. And then right around that time, as we were beginning, I actually had my really close friend and my business mentor, her name was Tracy Kaufman. She got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Um, And so really shortly after she got sick, she passed away. And she was just like one of the most incredible people you would ever meet. And a huge, huge part of who I am today is the role that she played in my life. And so when she passed, she didn't have, she wasn't married. She didn't have kids. And so she decided to leave her ashes to um, her aunt, her best friend and myself. And she just said, you know, you guys do something meaningful that you think we would all really like with my ashes. And so it was just this very kind of personal call to action. Like 
I think a lot of people experience when their loved ones pass away is you get their ashes back and you're like, okay, how do we honor them? How do we celebrate them? You know, how do we really keep their legacy alive? And so we had been doing all this research and not finding anything that resonated. And it was just really eye-opening to me because it was really the first exposure that I had ever had to the end of life industry and space. And I was just finding it to be very antiquated and, you know, just not having the same level of experience, like customer experience and brand experience that you have in every other area of your life. And so it was just kind of crazy, like over dinner one night with a diamond scientist I was working with, he actually mentioned this technology to me um, that you could turn, take the carbon out of cremated remains and grow a real diamond from that carbon source. And he blew my mind. I was like, oh my God, this is what I have to do. No question. Um, There was one company doing it. And so I went to go actually start the process and it was just a big turnoff because like they didn't ask who this was for or her relationship to me. And they just weren't really transparent about how the process was going to work. And so it was just enough for me to say, you know, I just don't know if I feel comfortable sending her away to the, to this company. And so that was kind of the point at which we looked at this and we're like, man, I totally get this. Like I, I want to do this. And I think others would do this in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. I think it's just getting executed on wrong. And so at that point we decided to completely just pivot and focus on, um, honoring people and their loved ones. And Tracy was the first diamond that we ever made. That's an incredible story. And I have never heard anything like this before. And when I stumbled upon your company, I was so intrigued because of the way you're doing it and to honor people's lives is so meaningful. I think it needs to be talked about more. Mm, thank you. I to ask yeah. you, what kind of customers do you attract? It's really interesting. Like we have such a wide range, um, you know, of, of customers and demographics within our customer base. Like the biggest indicator of whether somebody will do this or not is how close of a relationship they had with somebody. Um, You know, you're not going to do a diamond for just anybody in your life. I think we can all count like, you know, on one hand, who are our true diamonds that we want to have, you know, with us every single day. Cause that's a big part of it is people will have it done like for a ring or a necklace so that their loved one is physically with them every day. They look down and it brings them, you know, just comfort and connection. Um, And so, yeah, we really see like older generation, you know, all races, all, you know, coastal mid, like, you know, mid country. Um, We also, it's about 40% of our business is pets. So we honor both people and pets. Um, And so with pets, we tend to see a slightly younger demographic. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we're, we're kind of all over the map. How long does it take once you have the ashes to create a diamond? End to end, it's usually about between eight to 10 months. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as we go, it's very intricate. There's a lot of different steps that are involved. Um, We actually have created really an experience around that, um, which today, like a lot of our customers enjoy the journey as much as they do the diamond that they're getting on the other end. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because at every stage, we're sending pictures and videos and updates and letting them know, hey, here's what's happening at this stage. Here's what's really cool about it. Here's how the science works. And just like really involving them in it. And what we found is, is that by giving people something to focus on and to lean into over a protracted period of time, mm-hmm. it's helping them process their grief mm-hmm. and it's helping them like share something with their community and have something positive to look forward to over a period of time. And so coming out the other side, many people 
end up saying they're in a better place with their grief than people who did nothing at all in the wake of the funeral. That makes completely sense. And it's kind of a coping mechanism to be involved in the process. Yes. When you first started the company, what marketing tools did you use to get your name out there? So, you know, one of our big things, like obviously this is such a sensitive, you know, kind of thing to talk about or, or thing to market, if you will. And so we've always said from day one, like this is not about a trend and it's not about how cool Ashes to Diamonds is. Like the technology is awesome, but really it's about the people behind the diamonds. And, you know, you just hear the most incredible stories. Like, again, you don't earn a diamond if you weren't just like an awesome human being and, um, or pet. And so we really lean into that and we tell their stories and, you know, really it's something that we're so passionate about is like, why do we stop talking about people when they pass away? Why wouldn't we continue to celebrate them and share their stories? And, you know, that's something that we really want to affect culturally is that we just destigmatize grief and loss and make it totally normal to keep talking about your people. And so a lot of our, you know, kind of quote marketing is more storytelling, great Mm -hmm. video storytelling on social media, and it drives a ton of word of mouth. And so those are really our two fastest growing channels. Our TikTok has 1.3 million followers. Um, We've never spent any money on that channel. It's just great storytelling and people love it. All TikToks about stories, really bringing people in. And I heard your story first on Shark Tank. And I wanted to ask you, what was it like to go on Shark Tank and present your company? Yeah, I mean, it was quite an experience. Like (laughs) we were the first end of life company to go on Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was just really special is like getting to share a topic that again, like had been pretty taboo with like on a national stage and with a national audience and getting people to kind of like, talk about it, think about it. Like it was a huge turning point for us as we've, you know, continued to kind of lead this cultural movement of, you know, Hey, let's keep talking about our loved ones. Let's normalize this experience that we're all going to go through. Um, and so I think Shark Tank was, was a really big first step in, in starting to normalize those things. And then having Mark Cuban's backing, he's just been absolutely awesome and, and a huge advocate for us. And, you know, so yeah, it was a, it was an awesome experience. That's incredible. Yeah. I want to switch gears into a moment and focus on you and ask you, what advice do you have for women who are trying to break into the business world? I would say one of the most important things is to really trust yourself. Um, something that I've observed of myself and other women um, in business is sometimes we can kind of question our inner knowing or question Um, you know, do I have the right answer and look to others to provide that like comfort of, you know, okay, what do you think? What do you think? And, and we need to get to a very high confidence interval. Whereas, um, I observe more of men leaders, it's like, they'll shoot and then go, you know? And, um, I think that that's just something that is really powerful is just leaning into, you likely already have the right answer. And so, tuning into what your intuition is telling you to do in any given, you know, uh, circumstance and trusting yourself and building that self-reliance. Um, because that's a huge part of being an entrepreneur is like, you're never going to have all the answers. It's always kind of, you know, uh, trying to narrow the region of darkness and just keep moving forward. And so building that kind of internal intuition, trusting it and, and following through on it, I think is one of the most 
powerful things that we as women can lean into. Lastly, I wanted to ask you, how important would you say in terms of business is financial literacy and common sense knowledge? It's very important. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the first rule of business is don't run out of cash. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. like being able to manage your cash flow, ensure that you really understand, um, you know, just even the basics of if I'm going to make this investment, when will it pay itself back, mm-hmm. you know, um, and making sure that you're being kind of thoughtful and, and responsible with how you're going and scaling a company. It's really like, that's, that is the lifeblood of company. And so there's, you can get yourself in trouble if you get out over your skis and try and grow too fast and, you know, aren't, aren't watching things very closely. So, um, do you need an accounting and finance degree? No, but having the fundamentals of, you know, how to read an income statement, a PL, a balance sheet, um, understand how to manage cash flow, that's super, super critical. Yeah. Thanks for listening to See Uncovered. You can check out more at www.createeveryopportunity.org. Thanks again.